Shut up. <laughs> Hello again, listeners. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Picking at Perfection. Now, for today's episode, I didn't want to release anything too serious because I feel like the world has become a little bit too serious lately. So I'm joined by my life partner, Rob Sharman. Me and Rob have been together for almost six years now, and we're in semi-related industries. I'm in events, he's in hospitality. So there's quite a few comparisons that we draw in the episode between our two lines of work. Rob's a long sufferer of my perfect expectations in our relationship and household. Um, But I know he faces expectations from other people at work, such as clients, customers, managers, etc. So hopefully this will serve a fun way to get to know a little bit more about me and also about us. As always, thank you so much for listening and please subscribe for regular Imperfect episodes. So welcome, Rob. Morning. Thank you very much for stopping by the living room to record this episode. I'm sure you've travelled far. The the living room in our log cabin, yeah. Yeah, so we're recording from a remote location today. So you might hear some echo. Self-isolation. And also Poppy is present in the background. We've given her something to munch, so you might hear her munching, but hopefully she won't whine. So whilst this is a casual episode, I want to stick to the format. So to start with a quote. I actually already posted this on my Instagram, so it's a little bit recycled, but I'm going to use it here as I think it's very applicable to what we're going to discuss. The only source I can find for it is the film Plus One, which is like a standard rom-com about a man who takes uh, his friend as a plus one to at weddings and then they end up falling in love. Anyway, I don't know if that's the original source, but that's the only source I can find for it. So the quote is, if you spend your entire life looking for perfect, you will end up with nothing. I agree. How do you feel about that? I, well, you, you'd have nothing like if you were spending your life looking for perfect. Because it depends who's defining the perfect, what you're looking for as yeah. well. So on that, what is your personal definition of perfection? <laughs> um, Try and keep lasagna out of it. We've already done that. No, I know, I know. Your definition of perfection is very different to mine. I think that, that is the same for everyone. Everyone's definition of perfection is um, different and individualistic to themselves. Um, I, I think... Per- I don't think you can be perfect. I definitely am not perfect. And I'm sure I'll come up in some of these episodes about how not perfect I am in an indirect way, not being quoted. Um, But I I just think it's trying to do what you can to the best of your abilities and knowing that you have some flaws and embracing those flaws and hoping your partner embraces those flaws with you as well and doesn't um, chastise you too much when... They, uh, you fall down a little bit in those flaws, but we've, we're, none of us are perfect. Um, but it's about playing to our strengths and knowing what we're really good at, um, and trying to work on the things we're not so good at, which is easier said than done sometimes. I think Rob will agree that this venture of a podcast is actually possibly quite selfish because I, uh, it, I am my main audience, if that makes sense. Like I'm such a sufferer of trying to make everything perfect, and that's sort of why I made it really to to talk about it and to break it down. So. Following on from that, what do you, how do you base your expectations? Like, what do you use to base them? Is it your past experience? Is it things you see in the media? Expectations of myself or? Yeah, what do you think is the main source of your expectations of life? Because I want to dive into that. Of my, of me? Yeah, so like. What I base my kind of, um, I I don't, I think, you know, I, I know what my strengths are in, in life, in the world. You know, I'm very much a, a people person. So in terms of basing my perfection and and what I'm really good at um it is people and you know through my through work through 
non-work, you know, personal life, social life. It's very much about that's who I am, um, really outgoing um, and engaging with people um, because I think that's the backbone of everything, really, business, life. You know, it's, it's how we talk to people, how we uh, interact. Not to make it like a gay episode, but um, one thing I was thinking about the other day is that when you were growing up, did you have like any a cut well one a couple that you idolized as in like obviously for me and for most people it's probably their mum and dad but I don't remember as a kid seeing a, like a gay relationship as an influence I was surrounded com- completely by straight relationships would you agree um yeah, it, well yes uh, I mean I think you know I've, I've got a few years on you in terms of you know when I came out and, and it things is yeah, all right, all right. <laughs> um yeah, I think there's a, there's an element of that. I think, um, you know, certainly me growing up, played a lot of sport. Most of my friends are male. Um, you know, understanding again where you fit into the world it was, was quite a difficult thing. Um, I think the, probably one of the bonuses I had was obviously, um, as you know and hate very much, um, I'm a lover of Watford Football Club. Um, always love my football. Dad took me since I was like six. Um, and Elton John, who was the club's president and is the lifetime president, obviously um, is gay. And I think growing up with Watford Football Club, um, I think Elton John and David Furnish, I think, were probably a really good role model. And you think you look at the work of Elton and his AIDS charities and things. I think that that, that certainly was something that I thought, oh, OK, yeah, fine. Sport and being gay and being able to love football is is all right. And I think you know whether or not that made it easier for my dad when I told him to you know that I was gay that he already knew Elton loved what for football club and I don't know you just you, but you don't know about these sort of things and I think certainly that was um an influence that I thought do you know what you know it's he was probably the most relatable person when I was growing up I, I'd say I'd never really thought about that and actually I think sport I mean maybe it's just my bias but I think sport would be the last place that you'd find such a thing but now you're putting it like that obviously of course Elton is a massive influence and you've, you've met him haven't you yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, well it is it, uh, it, sport is you know it's it's one of those things isn't it it brings us together but it also divides us you know through you know not just LGBT things but racism and things sport is is one of those things that brings people together but also divides a lot of people um, and I think yeah you know I, I, I met Elton um, I don't know what four or five months ago something like that and just a, a just a genuinely lovely person um and has time for you and um you, you know as you know we all went as my family for my dad's 60s to see in prague last year um and and it was a it, yeah it's, it's brilliant and it is great that there are people that yes he's massive in terms of celebrity but the work he's done and, and the, the way he shouts about it as well you know he he very much stands up for you know, people that don't necessarily have a voice sometimes, which I think is um, is brilliant. Was he your, like, first reference point of, like, homosexuality, to use the official term? <laughs> what do you mean by reference point? Do you mean <laughs> that or my crush on Jeremy Sumter as Peter Pan? Uh, in the, in, in the no, I don't. Ago? I mean, like, as in, was he the first sort of gay person that you saw in the media in the um, focus point? Um, yeah, certainly that certainly that I would kind of 
think, oh, okay, you know, there's a lot of positives in his life, and and the way he's, the, you know, he is a perfect role model of of I think you know young LGBT people growing up that can say, oh, you know, I can have kids, you know, I can have a partner, we can get married, you know, it, all of those things. Elton was probably one of the first to kind of do all those things from from an LGBT point of view, and I think it is. It's great that you've got someone like him that is so well respected through the world, you know, not just through LGBT people, but everyone, you know, uh, there aren't many people that don't like Elton John as a person or as a musician, um, I think is a, a good place to be to have an ally that is so well loved by everyone, you know, regardless of his sexuality and how he's brought up his family and things. Hmm. On the opposite side of the spectrum, do you want to know what my first reference to gays in the media was? Oh, God, I hate to think. Do you, do you remember that Christina Aguilera video to the song, your favourite song, Beautiful? Oh, you, oh you know, God, do you guys, know what? Yeah, you're right. You, no, that you're was right. the first time I think I saw gays on the TV. Do you and actually, yeah. don't think it's a very good reference point because it's a bit raunch, isn't it? Like, Yeah, I, no, I agree with you, actually. Now you've said that, I do... I don't know how I remembered it. I just It just came oh. to me when I was thinking about this question. Yeah, I think it's just... I mean, I love that song. We reference it quite a lot. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. It, it probably was one of the first things i feel like within my subconscious and this is you know possibly i'm not qualified to to comment or anything like that but i feel like sometimes what makes relationships so hard to to be perfect or to appear perfect for me is i'm trying to fit two men's relationship into a man and a woman's relationship and that's never going to fit into the same mold and i feel like society hasn't quite adapted to the fact that of that because if you think i i don't i i know it's been I don't even know when that song was released. Say, for example, it's 15 years or so, maybe maybe Probably less. more. Well, no, it's definitely, definitely that, I would say. Oh, like, how many other things have you seen of gays in the media? Uh, well... Do you think the times have moved on? Do you disagree? Because I'm not the most... I'm not up to date with, you know, music videos or, or whatever, but... Oh, not... But again, I don't think, like, music... Mainstream, yeah, that's okay. the word I'm looking for. I don't think you can necessarily say, oh, my God, if, it's, if there aren't gays in music videos, then we're not represented. No, I know, um, but... I don't know. I think you look. I think you look at everything. I think they. I don't know. Again, I look back to. You, we've got to look at uh, channels like Channel Four uh, and and things like that. They are, you know, groundbreaking in terms of the work they do to represent everyone in the country. You know, I look back at things like Skins. You know, when I was growing up, like True. Maxi from Skins. I mean, that was. I don't know when was the first season of Skins. Twelve, ten, twelve. Mm. years ago probably at least I'd i remember say. it being the rage as well i never watched it um but. you know you know so you've got lgbt characters in that you know you've got you know more oh recent- and i do actually remember in hollyoaks as well there was a gay storyline do you remember jean paul and oh, yeah. craig I, yeah no. i mean that wasn't the best either hollyoaks lgbt story but yeah forever, but at least there was like representation i suppose um but again and, and yeah i yeah, look more recently uh, um yeah, people like Russell T Davis, the writers for programs, you know, like Doctor Who. You've got Captain Jack in Doctor Who. Oh yeah, um, you true. Know, I remember you, watching that as a kid as well. Actually, yeah, you've got um, you know, and a programs more for sort of grown up or early early adults kind of programs like Cucumber and things that Channel Four have done um, that are, that are really about LGBT lives and and you know just normalizing them in society because we're not that different are we let's face it we're just two guys and instead of a, a guy and a girl but mm. th- th- you'll never find it's always going to be different and it'll always be talked about and some people will like it some people will hate it but i think as long as it's always represented and um positively represented um and not just being gay but the potential that you have to have just as good a life as heterosexual couples you know raising kids you know, have creating a, a loving home. You know, having 
puppies like Poppy sitting chewing a bone whilst we do a podcast. You know, it's that sort of stuff that you just think, actually, you know, yeah, we're, we're no different. And following on from that, actually, just interestingly, this is a tangent, but um, what was, how is it addressed in your school in terms of like, obviously, sex education and relationships and things like that? Were you taught about it or was it just a... Uh, because I, if I look back on my, I just remember no one ever taught us the safety of it or anything like that. There was no, like, um, I guess contraception isn't really different, but it was kind of like, a, oh, and by the way, some people choose this to do with men, some people choose this with women. And then it was like, end. There was no, like, relationship. Yeah. Not training, like, relationship education, I suppose, of it being, like, okay. I guess maybe because our teacher was just uncomfortable to talk about it. I don't know. I think that I think that is a big part of um, LGBT sex and relationship education. Um, you know, certainly the the more LGBT side is talked about in years twelve and thirteen. And when I look back at my school, so you know, I was I was outed in year twelve, so to speak. Um, and then when we had the PSHE sessions around it, you know, my teacher that took because obviously there was special teachers that took that sort of thing because not every teacher could do it mm. um i i had my both of my teachers what your form tutors yeah things. it uh, wasn't like a special person yeah no, they, see, they had the balls to discuss it yeah though no you shouldn't say that because that's sexist they had the guts they yeah. had the guts to talk about it yeah um yeah but the the teacher that did ours you know uh, and it was around the school you know of course i was in quite a prominent position in the school in terms of head boy um you know and it was I never had a problem with it at school. And actually, I think, interestingly enough, having, you know, it was a chap called Mr. Baker. Was, um, was Shout out to Mr. Baker. Mr. Baker, Richard Baker, yeah. Um, was was the chap that took our PSHE lesson that talked about it. I think it probably helped him having someone that was LGBT and all right with it and out that made him feel more comfortable about it, I think. Were you used um, as an example? Oh, not, not like, <laughs> Rob, tell us how two men, like... <laughs> get it on no christ um but but certainly certainly i think and after that so when i was at university i did a piece uh, one of part of my uh, education degree was on um homophobic bullying and school bullying policies specifically looking at um lgbt lgbt what on earth is that lgbt um bullying i think it's lgbtq now as it's well lgbtq plus. i can't keep up with the initials yeah um so yeah so i and i had a real in-depth chat with him around you know what he thought of you know the anti-bullying policies around lgbt students and and at the time my school yes i had a great pshe PSHE lessons on on sexual relationship educations uh but actually the the school's anti-bullying policy you know was pretty inept Uh, it didn't it mentioned it because it has to mention you know grounds bullying through sexual orientation but they didn't talking to the teachers and things they wouldn't know how to deal with it so it, it was interesting it was a good piece of um good piece of work for my dissertation i won't mention the name of the school because no shade come back and hunt me down no shade and back to the um this sort of loops in with the conversation that me and ruth had realistically about um the appeal of things and for me you mentioned cucumber earlier on tunnel four that was like a groundbreaking series and actually i I sort of watched it ignorantly thinking, oh, it only appeals to us. This is is mainly about gay life and mainly gay characters. But actually, where I worked at the time, a couple of people that were straight couples were watching it as well. And I was like, oh, actually, okay, this is is quite mainstream. So I think it's important to address that, that Mm. it wasn't a targeted... Because some things can come across as clearly targeted as a, a certain market, in this instance, LGBTQ plus communities. But I think actually that that appealed as a whole to... Mm other individuals yeah. as, a, as a drama rather than it just ticking a box of town of four have done a you know representative gaze or whatever 
So linking all of that together then with the original question, what do you think that people should base their expectations on? Should it be their own experiences? Should it be in the media? Like, what do you think? Um, it, it's a difficult one because uh, I don't think, again, you, like you look at the media and social media specifically, mm. like if people want to try and base themselves on being a ripped, six-packed person... You know, not everyone's going to get to that point, and I don't think that Christ. I, I'm certainly not like I, like a blooming seesaw with my weight, like loss and gain and things. You know, because I think there is a lot of pressure on it. But I, I think ultimately, I think it's about the individual and the individual as a person. Like, are they a good person? Are they you know kind to everyone? Do they try and do the right thing by everyone, both at home, at work, friends? You know, I, I don't think. I don't think you can. I don't think you should base it on the media or anything like that. I think you should base it on knowing what's right and what's wrong, um, and trying to be the best person you can, and and looking after the people in your lives that you care about, giving people the time that you care about in your lives, um, and just genuinely being happy and healthy in yourself. Like, sod everyone else. It's great the positive role models, like I said about earlier with Elton and things like that. It's great, and they're there, and you can see that you can make it work. But is it? Gonna, am I going to be a multi-billion-pound-selling mm. artist? No, I'd love to be. You know, I could sing That's a few very nights one now. End of the yeah, spectrum, of course it is. But the, the ideals and the what he's got, and the 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 you know the aspiration that you can get to being a you know a gay man with you know a husband and two kids, and you know live the life you want. I think that's what I think that's certainly something people can look at and think. Oh, I can aspire to to have that i think there's two important things to pick up there in the fact that social media it's really important to remember that it is just highlights real you know that people's everyday life doesn't look like that they are just posting the things that they want to share with people because it is possibly the best part of their life Um, and the other bit as well is just just to be kind really like i think that caroline flack summed it up if you can be anything just be kind Mm. I think that happiness should be based on the right things as well, because I'm definitely guilty, and I'm sure you'll agree, of basing happiness on the wrong things. Like, I'm really trying to move to stop basing it on, like, materialistic values and start basing it on experiences and just being thankful for what you have. Like, you have to be really careful. I think I... I can't remember the full name of it, but I read about it. I think it's called Destination Addiction. It's where you sort of say, I will be happy when to everything. So like, I'll be happy when I get the new job. I'll be happy when I get that house. And you sort of delay your happiness until these life events. But you tell yourself that you'll be happy when those life events come. But then you move on to the next thing. Like, I think it's important to have goals and to have like a something like a five-year plan aspirations. But don't base your happiness on that. I make out in the intro, like... I'm the only one with expectations. Obviously, I'm I'm not um, in this relationship, but I'm probably the most domineering of the two of us. Or maybe not the not domineering, but I shout the loudest. Yeah, uh, yeah, I pick my battles, <laughs> and that's a very good skill to have, though. Not even in just relationships as well, but just learning to let what is it? Don't sweat the small stuff. Learning mm. to let some things go. I've, I'm 100 guilty of not letting anything go, which is completely my downfall but but what advice would you give to anyone dealing with someone who has sort of those really high perfect expectations it's um you are but i think that's because um that's because you do strive for perfection and i think um you get yourself worked up in the fact that if one little thing goes wrong everything's gone wrong and i think 
yeah, uh, you're right. The, the little things, some of the stuff you get frustrated about or annoyed about, I just think, oh my god, honestly, um, if if I did that, I'd have I'd had a heart attack and be in the grave by now. If I think if I was um, that is generally something I do worry about yeah, because well, I, every yeah. time I I come out of such a stress, I'm like, I'm gonna drive myself to an early grave. Well, yeah, I, I, yeah, I genuinely, and and that's. I think the it comes across you think that I don't care or I'm just nonchalant about it but I think it's uh, yeah I just there are bigger things to worry about than I don't know whatever a button falling off something or Poppy doing something that she shouldn't have been doing or you know whatever it might be dropping something in a kitchen that then means the whole kitchen goes across the floor you know it it's it, it yeah it's it's the it's a little bit that you think what, getting annoyed at this is why is this going to help me you know what is what is going to kind of rectify the situation and me get really angry for for a minute which is why yes my advice for for for, for me long sufferers or uh, I, I think it's just got to try and help when well, i do don't know i try and i try and get you to understand from my point of view why i've not got really angry about something or why i've kind of just let it go over my head because you know there is so many other things to worry about than the little stuff going wrong and I think for you like I say yes you do want everything to be right and you do strive for perfection but you, no one's perfect like no one is perfect and I think anyone that says they're perfect or you know is going to be perfect isn't it is about you know it's about knowing what your strengths are knowing what your weaknesses are and being conscious of those weaknesses and just trying to make them a little bit better every day rather than when it goes wrong berate yourself so much you think oh I'm just a terrible person everything's gone wrong in my life you know everything's wrong everything's rubbish um yeah I, I just think and, and for me it's for people like me that have got a other half that is very perfection driven it is about um just giving them space let them have their <laughs> let them have their couple of minutes and uh, don't say anything because it'll make it worse generally just let them uh, let them have their little stress out and then <laughs> you know trying to trying to explain why you've not got involved and why you're not stressed out by it really is what I'd, is what I'd say. Borderline marriage counselling episode this. Yeah, well, but yeah, I, yeah, it's not, is it? Because I, I don't think a lot of couples will probably go through thinking, oh my God, like I'm the only one in this place. And if you've got someone that is, you know, does throw a tantrum about stuff because it's not perfect and they want it to be perfect, thinking, oh God, I can't talk to them about it. Or And I think it is important. You know, we've spoken in the past and it is important to talk and it's important to open up and like be really honest about stuff. And I think that's the way you kind of you deal with an imperfect relationship. I think if you don't talk about stuff um, and you don't challenge each other's imperfections, um, then that's just as bad as just not doing anything about it. And that is me all over as well. If one small thing goes wrong in one day, normally, I mean, I say normally, probably 70% of the time, it would just, I really struggle to not let it ruin my whole day. And that is massively hindering to me because, you know, if something goes wrong in the morning routine, it probably doesn't do what she's supposed to do. Well, what she's supposed to do, what I want her to do. Um, I just really struggle to then bring the day back up and it's a day wasted. So it's, there's definitely some coping mechanisms that can be applied there. I guess more on a work front now, if someone has ex perfect expectations of you or wants you to strive for something perfect, do you find that that motivates you or demotivates you knowing that you sort of, because something we always talk about as partners together is the fact that our jobs, whilst they're in sort of related industries, are very different in the fact that I have milestones of events. So once I have an event, it's finished and I move on to the next one and I can apply things that I've learned from achieving that event because I have achieved it. It's done. It's wrapped up under the belt. Whereas you're 
and something I would struggle if I had to move into a job world such as yours is that your goal and end means is actually technically unachievable because you're you're there to provide a better service for customers but you can never be 100% done with that whereas my event can be 100% finished so how do you cope with that and is is that motivating is it sometimes demotivating um well yeah you're right my the world I'm in in terms of how I measured my performance etc is very different to yours like you say I am I've got my key performance indicators I've got my customer metrics that you know we've got targets for and that's what I'm always aiming to achieve um you know if someone comes along and says actually you need to deliver more than that um am I motivated I think it all depends on it's interesting comes back to what you were saying earlier when you're saying something goes wrong the whole day's ruined it's very similar to KPIs I think if something's going well you want to strive to make it even better and I think you're automatically in a positive headspace when my numbers and we're delivering great numbers you think oh amazing yeah we can do this we can deliver another 10% another 15% whatever it might be I think when things are going badly and you're missing targets I think someone telling you you need to deliver this is actually more of a hindrance I think it's harder and that's where the self-motivation and the I suppose the uh, resilience comes into it that says, okay, you know, we're nowhere near where we want to be, but this is what we've got to do to try and get there. I, th- I don't think, I think it's very much individual. I put a lot of pressure on myself at work. You know, I think my boss is quite good at understanding that I do that myself, so I don't need anyone to put added pressure on me. Um, but I, I, there is something in that, when I when I got into the hotel I'm in currently, you know, it wasn't in a very good place and the numbers were pretty awful. And then it, it just you just every week you look at the numbers coming through and you think, Oh Christ. I honestly, where do I go next? But then this year, you know, we've now the groundwork has been done and we're in a better place and we're delivering numbers. Actually everyone is in such a more positive mood and everyone's saying, Oh, we can do better than this, we can do better than this, even though we're already delivering what we need to. So I don't think it's about people putting added pressure on and whether I respond well to it. I think it's all about you as an individual. And I suppose when you relate it to a world of work, it's about having that relationship with your boss that says, Actually, this is how I work. If they're a good boss, they'll know and they'll have had conversations and understand how you do work. But I think it's about having that self-motivation and having a goal like you say yes you've got goals I've got goals and you know nowadays am I more frustrated that yes we're beating our goal but it's not my goal um yes can I can I complain that I'm delivering what the business expects me to deliver but not what I expect to myself yes I can be frustrated um, but I think that that just keeps that just shows sorry to interrupt it just shows the difference in expectations actually because obviously your own personal expectations aren't being met but the business's expectations Ah, uh, so that just shows that there's all sorts of different scales coming into play. I, I, yeah, I think that is, be, that is generally because of where you are at that moment in time. Like I say, if we were struggling to deliver anything, even delivering the business's expectations would be demoralising for someone to come in and say, you need to deliver this because we're trying hard. No one wants to not deliver. And I think that's where it becomes when you are delivering and you then set your own bar even higher because you know you can do what you're supposed to do. And then you're not delivering what you want to deliver, but what the business expects. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. It, it, as I say, yes, I get frustrated when, you know, our numbers, even being on holiday this week, you know, probably have dropped. Um, it's frustrating, but they'll still be above where they need to be. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I gen- there's a lot to be said for it's that resilience when things aren't going great. Control what you can control. 
you know do what you can do actually if you're doing all you can do and it's not coming through it's not that it won't ever come through the numbers but you know it will get there if you're if you're committed to doing the right stuff to get there and then just a tidbit that's sort of related but not um something that i first find frustrating from a consumer side i'm considering myself a consumer of hotel rooms or whatever and something that you've shared recently is that a num when you see a scale so say you get an email for feedback and it's like raters on out of one to ten <laughs> and then the scale on there says you know one is absolutely rubbish five is average and ten is um you know exceeds expectations if I had like a medium experience with a hotel, I'd probably go six or seven because, you know, like I wouldn't write home about it. Um, but, you know, it was fine and it was functional. But then on the reverse side, this is correct of other jobs and other industries that you worked in as well, is that the business doesn't accept sort of the scale that the customer is rating it on, if that makes sense. So the customer is rating it as a different scale than what you've been judged against yeah. because it, the business would expect you to get eights, nines, tens. It, well, just nines and tens. Nines and tens. Only nines and tens. And, that, uh, uh, and what was it? Is eight considered neutral or yeah, something eight, like that? Eight, which is yeah, ridiculous. I find that absolute... It's just so... It's just a con because telling the... I don't know. I obviously haven't seen the scales. But to me, on every scale of one to ten, five is average. I don't know if I'm the only person that thinks mm. that. But I think to judge you, the, the, there's just a mislevel there because... The, the customer is judging something based on their expectations and their scale, whereas you're being judged on what they're saying on a completely separate scale. Yeah. I mean, look, if you gave something an 8 out of 10 and you think it's pretty pretty blooming good, and, you know, if you, gave, if you rated a product that you bought from a shop, if someone said, what would you give us out of 10? And someone said 8, you think, oh, I'd definitely go and buy that and mm. give it a go. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't... The way we are measured customer metric wise is not like that as you say nines and tens are the only numbers when guests get those feedback surveys say oh how was your stay how would you recommend us naught to ten you know nines and tens are the only one that matter but i think that brings with it our own challenge that you know we talk again that's it's that bit about perfection you know it is about what does a what does a guest expect you know the chain of hotels that i work in is not the most luxurious you know, that you don't pay a fortune for a room, you know, and it's about almost educating guests around the expectations of what you get for paying. Mm. <laughs> for example, not a mini bar. You had know, yeah. <laughs> so re- Oh, no, room service, room service. Room service. Yeah. Budget hotel and feedback was the fact that there's no room service. So that's why they got a poor rating, which is just ridiculous. Yeah. But that's someone getting themselves, well, they might just be wanting a freebie, but there's also someone not correcting their expectations you have to do your research and you have to and that's the same for every situation Mm. you have to know what you're going into yeah you can't if it said on the website that there was room service and there wasn't Mm. that's she's or he or she is within their right to complain yeah and i think that's when we're talking about perfection and people's perception of perfection you know you've got to look at it well what yes okay in a perfect life would i like to be in a hotel that's got a swimming pool gym mini bar fridge room service all that sort of stuff yeah absolutely you know but you've got to put it in the context of the environment you're in you know the the money you're paying and and understand what perfect would be for a room in the hotel industry that costs x amount of money you know if you're paying 50 quid a night the expectation of perfect is going to be very different for a room you're paying 150 200 pounds for i think but that's about the education and that's you know that is i suppose in a way it's us just trying to change people's perception of their own perfect from our point of view and and what we offer and what we deliver because you know my version of 
perfect in my line of work is going to be very different to someone else that works in a different hotel chain that has very different you know means or parameters of being able to deliver a, a perfect stay mm. completely mm-hmm. okay right i feel like that wasn't as um non-serious as we perhaps promised so um as a nice way to finish up again keeping with the format can you please tell me and tell the audience what the let's start with most so what the most perfect thing you've ever delivered was maybe in the context of this episode to like relationship or work or expectations wise i don't know there are are a fair few i suppose i think most recently as perfect as you can train a dog to be able to do something was um was uh, my little proposal to you, my beloved, this week of um, Poppy trying to uh, carry a bottle with a little note inside uh, and run from one place to the other without dropping it and actually giving it to you. So uh, that kind of went perfectly in terms of uh, the execution of that from a dog, as perfect as a dog can be. It was pretty perfect. Work-wise, work-wise. I don't know. Again, there's, there's nothing perfect you know if and okay what's the most thing i mean thing it's, most proud I, well, okay well uh, and it's not work it's it's not you know it's, it's another it's another thing we've not sort of talked about i suppose but i think in terms of the pr- a pressure situation that has, has gone so right and where i'm relied upon by other people and um what i do has a massive impact on everyone else would probably be some of my theater work so um you know playing tony and west side story you know a, a big role where a lot of people rely on you to get your lines right and get the words right and cue everyone else with your what you're saying and listen out and all that sort of stuff and you, you know you've got a big company of people there that are relying on you to um to not screw it up effectively um and i think that when you look at perfection in a situation like that that is delivering every line remembering every word being where you're supposed to be at the very right time um so that you give everyone else the opportunity to be as perfect as they can as well and not and not mess them up um yeah that is like a whole nother episode in itself actually because something Ooh, episode two i'll be back I'll something be back. <laughs> something like that is there's a very clear scale i.e the script like mm. it's quite obvious if someone hasn't delivered yeah. um, as much as people can prompt each other it's quite obvious if something doesn't fit the scale yeah. which is the script um but then on the other hand what is the least imperfect thing you've delivered did you ever make a mistake or anything like that in live theater oh got a number of them you know i've had people that I've worked alongside with that have said I've ruined their career because I I got a line wrong and then it messed them up and then their whole performance was terrible because of that one line well it wasn't and it goes back to kind of probably what you were saying earlier that that one thing has made everything in their in their life terrible <laughs> just um, the record that person wasn't me yeah no well it, and <laughs> I never had an acting career <laughs> and uh, but that that probably is very they've clung on to that one thing you know the one line that wasn't quite right that screwed them up for all of a few seconds um and that's made me ruin their life effectively so you know yeah it it does happen but we're all human and we all make mistakes like i said earlier no one's perfect everyone's going to make mistakes um but it's it's knowing when something goes wrong what to do about it and knowing if you're not very good at something try and do something better i think part of that is a victim mindset as well sometimes i'm not i don't i oh we know that individual by name obviously but um, and this is no shade against her, but I think that some people can ad- adapt to a mindset of actually something went wrong, but I want to look for someone to blame. It's actually, you know, it might not even be their fault internally, but they just want to look for something to claim that it's out of their control, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, of course. I think relinquishing control is a release for a lot of people. 
Yeah, uh, uh, look, did, did I mess up and make a mistake? Yeah, absolutely. Did I ruin the whole production because of, or the whole performance of that night because of it? No. Um, and yeah, it's, yeah, but again, hold you, when I don't get things right, I'm trying to hold my hands up, you know, and learn from it for the next time, you know. And so for a bit of self-indulgent fun, can you ask me the same thing? Because no one ever asks me. Ah, uh, um, what is the most perfect thing you've ever delivered? I think in the context of this um, chat and like relationship and stuff like that, probably, and not to make it super soppy, but replying to that tweet or direct message or whatever, because that's what started all of this. You think I could choose, I could have chosen not to reply. Mm. Like it's just such a tiny window of fate for us. Mm. I think anyway. Yeah. If you believe in fate. Yeah. I mean, I think generally my, my tweet or message would have been, I'm so jealous of you flying here, there and everywhere. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to add background to that, I was um, I was very young in the venue search industry and um, I got loads of free trips everywhere because that's just kind of what happens in that industry. So I was sort of young, single and just traveling the world for free, which was, you know, great. But I was tweeting about it very misogy- uh no, very arrogantly, obviously. Very arrogantly. obviously. <laughs> but if I hadn't have done that, then we wouldn't have been here today. No, absolutely not. Uh, and, and what is the least perfect thing you've delivered i mean there's so many if you need some help <laughs> i can i can always help you but what's i mean perfect thing? again in the context of this chat and oh, like, just because okay. i think okay. it's really funny yeah. um and this is by far not the least imperfect thing that's happened to me in my life but do you remember when i tried to do that thing off pinterest for your gift which one <laughs> it's like so Rob I tried to copy this thing off Pinterest for Rob's birthday I think it was just announcing something uh, and it was like I'd booked a trip and I needed to write it on paper and I wanted a fun way to announce it so I um well Rob basically ended up opening a cardboard box to a like deflated balloon (laughs) (laughs) because I'd put a note in the balloon and some confetti and then blown it up and then put it in a box and the idea was to give him a pin and pop it and it'd be confetti and this message of you know we're going here but instead overnight the balloon deflated but I didn't see that the balloon had deflated so Rob just opened opened the box and went uh what what is this that's the state of our relationship at the time just a deflated (laughs) balloon but yeah anyway that's probably the the funniest one i could think of yeah rob thanks again for stopping by the living room and having this chat on Hello. record with me and wait for episode two yeah maybe a, maybe you'll be invited back we'll, now. let's see what the numbers are like thank you everyone for listening as well and again stay safe during these times <laughs>